Welcome to episode 48 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. In this episode, we are excited to be part of the launch of Andrea Maine DeWitt's book, Name, Claim, Reframe, Your Path to a Well-Lived Life. Andrea is an author, speaker, and life coach who helps leaders see and step into their power. Her book will start shipping in just a few days, so order it now. It'll make a lovely gift for the holidays or shift your mindset for the new year. And I have a special offer. I have an extra copy of Andrea's book I'm happy to give to someone at no charge. So listen to this episode and be the first person to email me at yo at yocanny.com. That's Y-O at Y-O-C-A-N-N-Y dot com. And I'll get this book to you. This book is filled with so many helpful tools to help us balance our energies and access our potential to be better leaders. Thank you for being here. And we hope you'll enjoy the listen. Here you go. Welcome, Andrea. We're so glad you're here. I'm so excited for you. It's such a journey, I know, for your book, and I'm so honored to be part of your launch. And um, why don't we kick it off? Would you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your book? Thank you, Alanda. I'm so excited to be here. This is kind of an exciting day because my books actually are arriving at my house today. So uh, we're, we're recording this before the launch. Um, well, I am proof that it is never too late and you're not too old to live your dream. Um, I uh, spent the first 30 years of my life as an educator, everything from teaching elementary school to teaching at the college level. And in my early fifties, decided to become a life coach. (laughs) So that's what I am doing now, which really does you know, have parallels what I did as a, as a, as a teacher, I, I love just helping people, um, drawing them out and helping them find their inner magnificence. So that's what I'm doing now. And I've written a book, which we're going to talk about today called name, claim and reframe your path to well-lived life. I'm so excited. to be here. <laughs> So great. Well, you begin by talking about being a warrior in recovery. And that really caught my eye, you know, come from a family, um, with my dad being first generation Mexican. So I grew up with a warrior and a protector. And I know that had a lot of of impact on me. So when I was reading your book, you were describing so much (laughs) me. I went, this is amazing. So maybe you can talk a little bit to our listeners about your valiant warrior and then becoming a gentle warrior. That would be great. Well, I, you know, I, I really identified with the warrior archetype as you do as well, um, because I just, I, I love my dad. He's still alive. He's 93. And he was so, he just, he was a protector. He was smart. He protected us, but there was a lot of this, you know, vibrato. And I think, and you talked about your, your culture and the Mexican culture. I think, you know, in in Mexican culture, there's a lot of vibrato, you know, a lot of masculine energy. And my, my father is um, Austrian. (laughs) my maiden name mine. So a lot of masculine energy. And I had this false um, idea that um, my feminine energy wasn't 
useful to me. Um, and I went through life as a warrior. I mean, I, I was very successful. Masculine energy is about doing, and I was a doer and I got a lot done. But what I ignored was the ingenuity in the being part of myself, which is the feminine energy, until I was about in my 50s. I was involved with a, a coach. Her name's Abigail Prout, and she uh, has a program called Spiral Leadership. And I took this class. I had just finished coach training, and I just was so taken with the idea that you could be masculine and feminine and really combine those two. And right there is where I started my journey of how I could begin to disarm. Um, I want to add this caveat, Yolanda, because what I notice with my clients and company, both men and women, is that we do armor up to protect ourselves. We think that we need to be strong and, and not share emotion and just power through things. And what happens is we get triggered. And so I feel that this is something, this, this awareness is something that we need to really look at and think about. If we were going to be resourceful leaders is to really balance both sides our masculine and our feminine. They are non-binary, both men and women and anyone that, however you identify, has them. And so when we can be balanced, oh my goodness, uh, we have potent power to access the best of ourselves. Uh-huh. And is that what you refer to as the gentle warrior? That is the gentle warrior. When I talk about being a recovering warrior, I think you asked me that question. It means that I'm in recovery. My natural tendency is to go warrior. When I'm triggered, I grab for that shield, that sword, and I go into battle. And that is not the best way to model good leadership, being a good partner, going, being a good parent, being a good friend. And so this system that I have, I have created, Name, Claim, and Reframe, really helps me personally and helps my clients. And anyone that gets to read my book, um, it gives you a structure to sort of think about, take a beat to understand where you are before you go <laughs> warrior. And you talk a little bit about the conscious leadership group that inspired mm-hmm. your thinking. Yeah. So how did that come together for you? Well, I love conscious leadership is, um, I actually learned about it through Abigail Prout and spiral, spiral leadership. And I source them in my book, but they talk about this concept of where are you? <laughs> are you above the line? Are you using your natural fantastic qualities of either masculine or feminine energy, are you below the line being triggered and maybe not acting in your best sense? And they talk about the fact that conscious leaders know where they are in any given moment, meaning that even if you are triggered to be, to be controlling or defensive or feel the victim that you go, Oh, I'm there. Okay. I am going to stop. And now I'm going to make the choice to go above the line. And then I'm going to choose to get curious, or I'm going to choose to have compassion, or I'm going to to ask, I'm going to be vulnerable and ask for help. Whatever it is, it's just that beat, like taking a breath to decide, okay, I'm there. That's the name step. I'm there. And where do I really want to be? I want to, I, I want to be, I want to, instead of reacting, I want to respond. Yeah. Well, I liked what you put there that above the line is kind of a natural response Mm -hmm. and below the line is a wounded response. And 
when you look at the different attributes that you have associated with those and those traits, I was like, this totally makes sense to me that the wounded part of me is the one that's the not so good parts of who I am and who well, I want to be under, like, under the armor, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's when we understand, okay, why am I, re- why, why am I reacting? Why? Because I'm wounded in some way. Yeah. You know, when we, we, we react in a controlling way. That's really about fear. When we react in maybe um, a codependent way, it's, you know, we're feeling needy. We, we, we're not getting what we need. It's about really being truthful with yourself. I mean, your power and your potential starts with your truth yeah. and that's underneath your armor. I think sometimes we need help. And identifying what the feeling is, or we need time. I know for me with certain people, I just need a little time to, to say, oh, that was a jab to the heart is what I like to call it. Like, oh, that one hurt. It does take time. And it does take, I think sometimes talking to somebody and having a coach. Oh my goodness. Yes. It, yeah. And and believe me, and I want to say this too, to your audience is just because I wrote the book <laughs> doesn't mean that I don't struggle with this all the time. I mean, I am always going back and I, I think, okay, what would the Jonah warrior do? And that means that I've taken the, a beat to give myself time to process what has just happened. You can always ask for a moment. You know, I'm going to take a minute to think about that. Thanks so much for that feedback. Or, I mean, I, I was talking to someone the other day and I, this person shared about something that someone said, and I thought, oh my goodness, the best response to that would be to be, ouch, wow, that didn't land very well on me (laughs) because right there you put up an energetic boundary Yeah. because then you've noticed, you know what, that's not nice. (laughs) That person is reacting to me. And I, I'm, I'm going to choose to respond by saying, Ooh, ouch, or wow, that didn't really land on me. You'll have to give me a minute to think about that. Yeah. Right there, you've created a lovely, graceful boundary for yourself. Ooh, to think yeah. about how you want to respond in, in a way that matches more with your integrity. I like that. I, we brought that up, I think in our second episode around voice, it might have even been the first one that when you can't articulate what's going on, that you just take the time to, yes. to find what you can. Um, how about um, when you've mentioned in the book about calming the inner critic? Oh my God. Can we talk about that? That is oh just priceless. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? I never knew about this. And I mean, I wish I had learned about this when I was in my young beginning, my career, or even when I was, you know, in high school, my goodness. Um, the inner critic, sometimes called the saboteur, there are people call them the gremlin, but your inner critic is your voice is the voice of doubt that argues for your best interests, but it keeps you playing small. I always start with the inner critic, this this concept of the inner critic with with my clients, because this is what keeps us from really accessing our our greatest superpowers because we we're talking ourselves out of it trying to keep ourselves smaller. The most important thing to know about your inner critic is that it's trying to keep you safe from embarrassment, (laughs) rejection. It's, it is sure that you're not prepared, but the inner critic is really based in really old information. 
Oftentimes it stems from an overprotective voice, parent, or maybe I have an inner critic that is me when I'm 20 and in college, I'm sure that I'm, I'm not smart enough or don't know enough. And I oftentimes will just think, oh, that's my crabby roommate talking to me. (laughs) And she doesn't know that I'm now 60 and I I really accomplished a lot. And I just say, oh, thanks so much for your concern, but I've got us covered. Really, you have no idea. I've really done quite a lot. Thanks so much, but trust, I've got it covered. So right there, I've acknowledged and I've separated myself from her voice. And I feel bad for her because she is always so worried. And see right there, I know that it's not my voice, it's her, but we all have it. Yeah. We all, we have, all have the voice. Absolutely. I love that. And I like the visual that you could invite yes. them in and say, thank you very much. And you can leave. Thank you now. so much <laughs> for your, for your concern, because then it's not when you get angry at your inner critic. I mean, and then you're, then you've stirred yourself up. But if you just see it as this silly voice that really is just trying to keep you safe, but sadly our inner critics can get into our heads. That's when we, when they get into our heads about all the things we haven't done and we yeah. just need to set it straight. So is that part of claim? It is part of claiming. Okay. So we've covered claim. name and claim. So name, well, should I go through the system? Yeah, yeah let's go I through think it, it might be better just to sort of understand because it's, 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 as I say, it's simple, but not easy. naming is really gaining awareness of your trigger or your pain point what can i be with about this situation what's going on where am i emotionally so naming that Mm -hmm. and i have a wonderful chart you talked about this balance response chart that helps you to to begin to practice that the claiming is choosing new energy and when I talk about energy, it's like, who, who do I want to be? And really separating your ego from the situation, like the inner critic and saying, you know, that's my inner critic, or this person said something to me and I don't want to react to that. I'm, I'm going to choose to respond in a, in a generous way, or I'm going to choose to ignore that. So it's really about claiming an action that matches up to your core values. And then the reframe is a little trickier. You cannot reframe until you've named and claimed. A reframe is realigning your perspective from the situation so you can respond to it with new ownership. Really think about, you know, right now, this is what's happening. And maybe there's a bigger goal, what's going to match my goals for the future. I can use the example of my book launch date that's changed five times. And the (laughs) final book launch was the week, Christmas week is when the book is in coming to your door on Amazon. And I had to reframe that. And what I did is I reframed it by saying, you know what, there's nothing I can do about this. And oh my goodness, that means that this message is going to be the perfect holiday gift and new year's mindset for people. And so that's a reframe because there's nothing I could do. I separated my ego from it. And I thought, Ooh, I'm going to spin this in a way that serves my goals for the future. That's, That's great. That's great. In talking about core values, I guess one of the things that you, you mentioned into the book a lot are many values and core values and the energetic boundaries. All of those seem to kind of work together and complement each other. They struck me as a really nice reference for how I might be able to observe myself better. Is that kind of what you were hoping with those? Oh, yes. 
You know, Yolanda, I think, and I, I, well, I will admit to this. I don't think, I think we think we know what co- our core values are. We say, oh, I, I value, you know, responsibility and, and um, respect and, but I, we don't really know what our core values are until we have a dissonant experience. <laughs> When someone tromps on a core value, I have learned this myself personally. And when a client comes to me and they're really upset, the first thing we do is we'll say, okay, well, what core value was tromped? What, 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 what core value did that person step on? And once we know what that is, we can really understand the why behind why we can't be with something and maybe what we need to do to move forward. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm starting with the dissonant experience because I think that when we understand what our core values are, it's much easier to have clarity about what we really want and why we want it. Also, keep what's sacred, what's most important, sacred. Right. You know, it's like, that's that's a core value. I really, my family's really important to me and that I got to keep that sacred. Yeah. And I'm just going to say no thank you to this because I need to keep those energetic boundaries for me. I'm trying to put this into perspective um, a little bit for my listeners, because a couple episodes ago, we talked about uh, beliefs and limiting beliefs and how some Byron Katie work can help you turn those around. So are, when we look at values, are they kind of a group of beliefs you think, or ways that we're viewing the world and uh, we're okay with them. We, we like them. Sometimes we might adjust them, but that can be like, I, like I could say, I value education. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know that like working at the, at the university right now is in alignment with that value. Right. Um, but it can also be a limiting belief in that. I think everybody needs to be educated and that may not be so for others, people, you know, that education doesn't hold a strong belief or be a core value for them. I'm wondering how, how you look at those two together. Is there a difference? in? Well, I mean, right there, you've named, you know, because education is important to you. And I would say that, uh, that you think education is important, so important to you that you're sharing your superpowers with people that are wanting to learn more about marketing and and the incredible spaces that you're creating for your students. So I would say that there's altruism with that value. I mean, there's a lot of values you could just, you could, you could, you know, we could just made this wonderful, you know, fluffy value ball around education. There's so much. The one thing I want to say about core values, Yolanda, is that they shift as, as we age and change and have experiences, they change. And I made the, um, the example in my book of my son, who is, is almost 31, and he I've noticed that his core values have changed as he's gotten older, that, that what he used to value when he was younger and the things that we needed to be careful about tromping on his core values are different now. I think when you... Before you have children, your values are different than after you have children. Um, If you have an incredible experience doing something that maybe calls in core values you didn't know you had, or if you have a dissonant experience that, that may call in core values you didn't know you have. And 
I have in the book um, a really cool exercise that you can do on your own to really call in what your main core values are. And I also have a list to get you started. I know for myself and for my clients, I, I, I pull this list up a lot and I'll say, okay, well, let's talk about this. You know, what about, what is it about this that's really speaking to you? What about this experience or, you know, what, what are you wanting to call in? If you, if you have to do, here's a, here's a, here's a good one. If you have to do something that you don't want to do, <laughs> this is the best part. This is a trick. This is a hack. You, if there's something that you really don't want to do and you think, oh, I really don't want to do that. You'll think, I'll think to myself, okay, what core value am I, am I going to call in so I can still honor my values and stay in my integrity and do this thing. Maybe it's generosity. Maybe it's compassion. Uh, maybe it's patience. Maybe it's bringing peace. When we call our core values in, it, it helps us stay in our integrity. And then we're in our truth. Mm, that's lovely. Was there anything more that you wanted to cover about the, the steps, the three steps? And there was one I liked when you were talking about reframing feedback. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, reframing is <laughs> in my reframe chapter. My reframe chapter goes on. I think we have three different chapters of reframe because as I said, you cannot reframe unless you've named and claimed. And sometimes it takes a while. I really dove into reframing feedback and praise <laughs> in my book because I think we really struggle yeah. with feedback. Yeah, um, I covered that in my last episode, um, having gotten feedback. Yes, <laughs> yes. What I needed. So, so I was, it was really nice to read this in your book. Yeah, go on more because I know people love hearing about how well, do we I, handle feedback. I'm going to start by saying that I am the reason I'm so interested in feedback is because I grew up in a really critical household. And I was, I just thought that all feedback was criticism. That, that there wasn't anything good about feedback. What, what this work has really helped me do is to reframe feedback and to really shift it so that I can take my power back with feedback because feedback is never about you. Uh -huh. It's always about the person giving the feedback. It tells you about what their values are, you know, what, the, what they're looking for. And so you have to think, okay, well, that's great. But what about their, this feedback helps me? Do I, is there anything I want to call in? Is anything helpful about this feedback? Okay, I'm going to keep that. And that little part of the feedback that they gave me isn't helpful. So I'm just going to cast that off. So it's not about you. Call in what's useful to your goals and then cast off anything that's not. The, the third thing I talk about is really naming that sting. I mean, because feedback often stings. I mean, your inner critic is sitting on your shoulder going, see, I told you, <laughs> see, I told you. And so you just name, you know, that's naming it, naming, you know, the, what stings me about this criticism, this feedback or criticism is this. It's matching to my limiting belief about the fact that um, I'm not very good at public speaking. And so I'm very self-conscious about this. So it's, it's attaching to that. We think, okay, it's attaching to that. I'm naming that. But let me look at the facts. What do I really know? What are the facts? And when we can pull out the facts and you can really say, okay, well, that was good feedback. I can help that for the future. And then I'm going to cast off the rest of that and tell my inner critic to go away. Not helpful. Yeah. Let me add one more thing about feedback, because I think that 
it's super important. Um, I mean, Yolanda, you get reviews on your podcast. And so when you get reviews on your podcast and someone maybe gives some feedback, you could say, okay, well, I'm going to target the feedback I get. And it's going to help me to understand who's listening, you know, who is my audience and who isn't my audience. So you can really target feedback to suit your goals. And when we can get smart about asking for specific feedback, oh my goodness, then we're back in control. Yeah. Then the feed, we can keep the feedback where it needs to be, you know, not stabbing our heart, but really working towards our goals for the future. I felt after the review, and I mentioned this in the podcast, that I had this renewed sense of confidence. It was more like, oh, okay, I'm doing all right. I'm doing better than I thought I was. And I know what, I, you know, I had this sense of confidence, which, you know, felt great, you know, that I was, that I had kind of come the full circle of from imposter syndrome to <laughs> confident <laughs> for a while. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> but Yolanda, let's, let's remember too, that you're out here doing it. You're using your voice and that takes so much courage and you're lifting other people's voices. I mean, that's beautiful. Oh, that's so great. So I that's, that's, I mean, my that's mission. what we, that's what I hope it is permission. And it's easy to leave any kind of review, either good or bad, but it's harder to be the one that's out there on the front lines, creating the podcast and inviting the guests. I mean, yeah. let's stand in that spark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we lose sight of that as the podcast host. <laughs> Exactly. But, um, I thought you had some great ways of suggesting that we manage our gentle warrior and take <laughs> care of her. Oh, I just saw not too long ago, the woman King with Viola Davis and what a gentle warrior she was. She, she had this strong warrior part to her and then, and she kept that shield and then, you know, it came down and she became more lovely and more, you know, just such a, a stronger leader for her people that she got elevated to King. And I went, this is great. This is a great example of gentle warrior. I thought I got curious about the gentle warrior because from my experience, the leaders that I admired were the ones that um, weren't afraid to show their vulnerability, weren't afraid to say, I'm not really sure what that answer is, but let's let's find out together. The leaders that are the best leaders are the leaders that don't go in and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> repress. They're the leaders that work together. I mean, the best negotiators bring in both their masculine and their feminine because they they have ears to listen and to create consensus. So, I mean, the best negotiation is when everybody thinks they won. And I find I've, being a gentle warrior for, to me means number one, giving yourself time to process. You talked about that early in our conversation. I think that's the naming step. You take a, a beat to say, I need time to figure out how I want to respond to the situation because I'm not where I need to be. So right there, you're, you're saying, I'm looking underneath my armor to see where I am. There's this incredible vulnerability about really showing all parts of yourself, all parts of your wholeness and showing your dings. I think that the best leaders really are clear, are honest, 
not only with themselves, but with the people that are around. And that, and oftentimes we think we have to know the answer. And sometimes we don't know the answer. We're not sure what to do. Yeah. And it's about really creating consensus and working with both. I mean, your warrior part of yourself is very important. I don't want to give that up, Mm -hmm. but there's this incredible, ingenious, resourceful, wise sage underneath my armor that man, when I combine that with my warrior, so powerful. And your audience has that too. We all have it. And it's really about being honest with yourself about where you are and what you need in that moment, Um, being willing to make mistakes and admit your mistakes. I mean, taking ownership for um, a mistake is an above the line masculine trait, but I have taken, since I've really done this work, I've taken more ownership. You know, that was my mistake. Let me try that again. Uh And I think those are the people I want to follow. (laughs) Those are the leaders I want to follow because they're learning, they're learning and they're, they're sharing their learning with others. And that is what's so powerful about this message. I think. I think also too, you're helping younger generations understand that they can be authentic in, in who they are. I certainly didn't feel that coming up in the ranks, being that masculine energy that you were talking about early on too, that be more like the guys, you know, protect and, and shield myself from being too feminine. So um, let me ask you this, Yolanda, when, what happens when you shield yourself from your femininity? What happened? to you? Well, I, I could only do it for so long. You know, I got my MBA and then I started in with consumer packaged goods in a very male dominated field. Yo just kept coming out, you know, like I just had fun and, um, didn't take it quite so seriously. I can remember driving the CEO to an agency meeting in my convertible Volkswagen and had him in the front with the top down and driving down Wilshire Boulevard. So what, so, I mean, in that, I mean, you were, you were, you know, pulling in that playfulness, yeah, the the fun parts. And so, you know, what changed in your leadership? Do you think? Well, I think I felt in that environment, like there really is some soups that you can be in that just do not, are not going to foster you, help you. And I sensed that in that company, I decided after couple years of trying to fit. Diane von Furstenberg had a wrap dress at the time come out and it was this brilliant blue. And, you know, you were only supposed to wear a navy blue suit with a white shirt. And I walked into work one day, just wearing my wrap dress and went, you know, it's time for me to go. And I went to New York and I worked in health and beauty aids and, and this very unkind guy said, oh, you're probably going to do better there. And I did. I mean, I wish I had said to him, you know, you're right. I probably am. (laughs) And I did. And I had a great time because it matched, it matched and suited me much more. Yeah. There was a sense of competition with myself though, that I thought I had to achieve in all environments. And that would be the first thing that I would say to somebody who is young in their career that environment may not be your match, you know, like, Oh, I, I, I mean, what you're saying, I mean, to me, and I always say, if we talk about energetic boundaries and those are around core values and the claiming stuff, but if it is a hell no, if right. everything inside your body screams, hell no, guess what? 
<laughs> it's a hell no. I mean, and it, unless it's unless you're just, I mean, it, you know, in your in your body. I mean, you go right into your body. You know when something isn't right. Yeah, you, you know, and so your intuition, your feeling in your body does not lie. And so your body, your intuition was speaking to you when you yeah. moved it. And and you know, there's nothing more beautiful than a woman that is comfortable with her feminine beauty and really, you know, not use using it in a way that's intelligent and resourceful and going towards what really her natural gifts. And that is what, I mean, I'm, I work with, I have young clients and it's so fun because I think, oh, they're learning about all these things I wish I knew. knew. Yeah. And they're, they're, they are walking their talk in a graceful, ingenious way and a feminine way that is way or I shouldn't say in a feminine it's it's very balanced but they're bringing calling in more femininity and having great success in leadership and I think you in your story demonstrated that so beautifully because you were also in your integrity which is my goodness why wouldn't we want to be in our integrity at every moment possible well I think that's a pretty good place to kind of wrap things up is there anything more that you wish to say before we find out a little bit more about how they can get your book? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful to, to talk about it as you and I talked before we came on. This is um, a simple, but not always easy step. I mean, and, and, and I think that it's really just dive into the book and read it. And I, I, I'm on Instagram um, and I do lots of little little tidbits and things um, that with everyday life that are helpful too. But I, you know, I just would love for people to read the book and see what they think. Yeah. And tell us um, how they can order it and also some of the events you have coming up. Yes. um, I, uh, you can order it anywhere books are sold. Um, It's name, claim and reframe your path to a well-lived life. It's everywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere. Just do a search. Um, The book, it will be released on December 20th, just in time for holiday gifts and new year, new me mindset. Um, I am also in the new year, starting in February, I'm doing a program, a name, claim and reframe program. That's eight weeks. And you can find out more about that program on my website, andreadewittadvisors.com. And, and then they, people can send me notes too if they have questions or follow me on Instagram at Andrea DeWitt Coaching. Great. And I'll have that in the show notes as well for our listeners if they need to reference that. Thank you for joining us. It was such a delight and I'm so happy for your book. It was a great read. I was taken in right away and your examples are terrific we can all relate to them thank you for that well thank you yolanda for inviting me it's a pleasure a pleasure 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 okay talk to you later bye bye thank you for listening today we sure hope you enjoyed this episode Be sure to join our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, or visit our website, girltaketheleadpod.com. Also, please leave us a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe so that you know each time we have a new episode. And remember my special offer. If you'd like a copy of Andrea's book, 
be the first person to email me at yo at yocanny.com. And I'll send the book along to you at no charge. It's yo at y-o-c-a-n-n-y dot com. Next week, I'll talk about a very cool book I found. We Are What We Celebrate, Understanding Holidays and Rituals by Amati Etzioni and Jared Bloom. Given the holidays are upon us, doesn't this sound like the perfect time for this topic? Talk to you soon. Thanks for being here. Bye.